Have you been thinking of starting your own podcast? Try out Anchor. We use Anchor to post our episodes and it offers so many amazing benefits. First of all, it's completely free to use. Yes, I said free. It also helps you so you can upload your episodes straight from your app or your dashboard, which makes it super convenient and a one-stop shop. Anchor is a Spotify program, so that means your show will post to Spotify automatically. You also have the option to post to any other platform through the RSS feed. This gives you full range of all the podcast platforms to get your show out there. The best part is that Anchor gives you all of the analytics directly linked to their platform, so you can post, edit, and track your show's progress all in one place. Try Anchor today for free at anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. some Avicii in there. <laughs> Creepies and Freakies! Oh, welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast, if that's even what we are anymore. We've forgotten how to do anything. Not functioning. You're getting a whole new side of Courtney today, because I decided that I was going to go to a concert last night, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it was a rap concert, <laughs> and we also live in a city that we have to go, like, pretty far away to big venues right yeah so i had to go to like another city and it was yeah your girl is very tired didn't get home until like mm, one two Which in the morning way past courtney's bedtime guys i go to bed Meanwhile, at like seven that's like what time i went to bed anyway <laughs> <laughs> and i did not go to a concert last night <laughs> i'm so tired but it was so fun i had such a good time and uh, my friend Emmy has a friend who's like a DJ, but he's also a promoter. And so like cool. we were hanging out with him when he wasn't up there and like all these other like people who were in the show kept coming over and were like, let's take pictures. And Emmy and I are like, why are we in the pictures? Like they would like drag <laughs> us into these pictures. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. Like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, but I did know the main act and I loved him and I had cool. a blast with that, but I'm very tired. So I have no idea what Courtney you're getting today for recording. You know, we'll find out. I feel like I'll slap you down to earth real quick with this one today. Please don't. <laughs> I'm not ready. It's gonna be rough. I'm not ready. Um, so yeah, I gave Kurt <clears throat> a heads up that this one is gonna be pretty lengthy. So we're gonna kinda just jump into it. We don't really have any business to attend to off the jump. Uh so yeah. What you got for some weekly fuckery, girl? Bro, I've got something that's fucking wild like it's not even i guess it's not technically true crime but this thing isn't crazy so i just realized too we didn't even do our intro right what do you mean we didn't even do our intro right all i said is like welcome back to the nick of crime podcast we don't even know how to podcast anymore we didn't do our proper intro i said creepies and freakies yeah that was it that was all we did. What else do we do? I just say we're usually a weekly true crime podcast, but sometimes we like to do some spooky, spooky, spooky shit. Oh, and then I'm the commodic. Already starting off hot. <laughs> also, for anyone, I feel like people are, 
our weird, our leery of our last scoops and lore one because of the title of it, because it's literally called Dick Pictation, because our listens haven't been as high on it. But like, trust me, guys, <laughs> go listen to it. It's yeah. the best. Like, I had, people said that it was like one of their favorites that we've done so far. I have had a lot of people be like, hands down, best scoops and lore yet. <laughs> so, long story short, Courtney was trying to say depiction and just said depiction with so much gusto. With her hand on her hip, she just knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Only I didn't. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. But, um, so, for this, uh, okay, I'm just gonna start off with a story real quick. It's a Pennsylvania man who has been searching for his wife for 30 years, bro. Uh, Like, adjust to that, Okay. I think you're going to know what I'm talking about. I think I do. I don't yep. want to, like, bury the lead. Yes. So, uh, he it was a missing persons case over 30 years ago. Um, the husband's name is Bob Capata, I think is how you say it. It's K-O-P-T-A. Copta. Copta. Kirk. Copta. Copta. Yeah. There you go. K-O-P-T-A, you said? Yep. Yeah. Copta. Yeah. So he said, I came home one night and she was just gone. Nobody knows where she's at. And he talked about like the struggle, his financial issues. He said, it's been going on 31 years. It's been bad. It cost me money. I put advertising down um, in the papers. Um, He's been looking for his wife for 30 years, guys. Now. The thing that's wild about this... I feel like it's kind of shitty of him to be like, this cost me money. Well, this is why he says this, and I'll say it in a second. (laughs) So one of the things that he always knew about his wife is that she did have mental um, illnesses on top of, like, she was obsessed with Puerto Rico. So he, long story short, is is that, like, he's been putting out these advertisements in, in... Puerto Rico too, like not just in the oh, states. No. Like so he, yeah, so he thought that's why he too. was like, I've been spending lots of money. Okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> Long story short is, is that a retirement home in Puerto Rico, all of the sudden put two and two together of who this woman was that she's been in this facility. But anyway, this retirement home was like, it's also a, a mental health hospital okay. as well, and yeah. they were like, this woman came in thirty years ago didn't would not tell them like anything about her she had been on the streets just wandering around like nobody could figure out what who she was or anything they brought her into the facility and long story short she's been in this adult home care for the last 30 years since 1998 for this 1999 i have no idea i don't know how puerto rico works with that kind of stuff i have no idea american territory so i would imagine probably fucking same shit because you know here in the u.s they're like don't got money not my problem right um, but come to find out years later, she had dementia and she started Aww. to divulge like some details that made them like connect the dots of right. who she was. So this woman, her name is Patricia and she's been missing for 31 years. They call her husband and they're like, Hey, we think this is your wife. So she's been, <laughs> she's been missing from Pennsylvania for 31 years, chilling in this home, refusing to talk about her life. They finally put it all together Called the husband. The husband called the cops. They did DNA test. He sure like, as shit is his wife. <laughs> she been chilling in Puerto Rico for 31 years. And I'm so glad I am so safe. glad. But my goodness. It is wild that she just... I feel horrible that she had to go down there in the first place. And right. like, 
was found on the streets because she was wandering. She didn't know, like, she wouldn't talk about anything and stuff like that. But do they think she was just disoriented or she just wanted to get away? I think it was her, from what I'm understanding from all the articles that I read about it, she was just mentally ill and, like, for whatever reason, she had that thing with Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So she just left and went there and was, like, very sick when she was on the streets. But what's wild is, like, that's her before and after. Yeah, because that's the picture that I saw, and I was like, she looks very ill. Yes. Like, very. But... At least it's kind of like a happily ever after. Yeah. Like she wasn't murdered. She wasn't. Right. She didn't die. Like right. she's been taken care of for yeah, all exactly. these years. She's been like in she's good care. Yes, so I don't want to say healthy because she she's not healthy. But like right. she had care she's and she. Okay. Yep. So as okay as she can be. Yep. As yes. as okay as she can be. So that is wild. See, that's so funny because you're like, I don't even know if you've heard about this, but I've literally only just seen that yesterday. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it a couple days ago, and so mm. I was like. I was looking through it and yeah. everything, and I was like, holy shit. Wild. I just texted you the the source, just okay. so you know. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was super cool, and I was like, it's kind of the happily ever after. Yeah. I kind of wanted, like, a good start. Right. So yeah, not so fuckery. No. No, like, a like super exciting, like, I'm happy that you're found and yeah. that you were, you know, taking care of all these years. Exactly. And your yeah. husband can reunite with you. I'm, I don't know if she knows him or not. They didn't really specify, right. but... And she has dementia, too. Who knows how long she had it. And what if she had, like, early onset dementia already? Because I doubt she would have survived this long with it. But who knows? Yeah. That's miraculous. Isn't that wild? And good on those employees (laughs) for being like, uh... They're like, wait. (laughs) sounds like Patricia. (laughs) And... not laughing at her. I know you're not. But yeah, that's that's the uh, weekly non-fuckery yeah, for Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So glad she's okay. So is she going to stay out there, did they say, or is she going... I didn't see anything. I hope they let her decide. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm yeah. sure her husband would really like to be reunited with her, but also like... I just wonder if she would technically be like a ward of the state or something. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I didn't see anything on it. I also didn't go into full details yeah. on it because I wasn't making a story out I mean, of it. To be honest, it sounds like he's a little salty. <laughs> I think he is a little salty. Yeah. I mean, it probably hurts his feelings, yeah. you know? Like, what did I do that you just wanted to leave? But but I think he's comforted in the fact that he knows, like, she was also sick. And, like, right. he knew she was sick. Like, yeah. he had talked about how, like, before this happened, like, they knew she'd been diagnosed with some mental illnesses. Yeah. So it didn't come as a surprise to him. But right. I think he was just like, but I missed you and loved you for all these years. Yeah. Like, and I never stopped looking. He, and he didn't. That's yeah. the other part that's amazing yeah. to me, that he's been looking for the last 30 years for this woman. Yeah. Like. That's amazing. It's wild. Yeah, so that's that's what I brought to you. I love it. I'm so glad she's okay. Me too. I'm watching my fish, making sure he's not turned into a murderer. No, he's okay. Shit gets weird when their bubbles get turned off, you know. Mm. I mean, Courtney I'm... thought that my fish that has almost died once already was dying again. She like screamed. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I thought she was dying. She was like flapping around in the water and then like threw herself out of the water and flopped around out of the water. And I was like, oh my God, she's dying. My theory is because they like to eat the plants that I keep in there for them to provide them oxygen. You know, how dare I? And she's the smaller of the bunch and she has a small mouth. And I think she took too big of a bite of a plant and I think it got stuck and she was trying to give herself like the fish time. Like, <laughs> 
clearly, and scaring the absolute shit out of me in but the process. Persephone has dodged death yet again. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so since she is the wife of Hades, but you know. Well, she's also a miracle, so. She is. Yeah, alrighty. Okay, anyway. Anyway, uh, so that's that. And I'm going to need you to get into this story because I'm not prepared. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to give a warning. There's a lot of triggers. I will give other trigger warnings into this as well. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot. And this is actually kind of a story to weave, friends. There's a lot that goes on into this. So... This story is actually going to cover the story of two different women. Uh, one is a tale of survival, and the other is unfortunately a tale of death. So, but there's one common thread between them. So we are going to start, I'm trying to go kind of chronologically with it, but they will kind of intertwine at some point, so stay with me. Okay. If you have questions, <laughs> feel free to stop me. Raise my hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> this one's going to be heavy though, so... Fair warning, guys. I have my I have my succulent pillow. Yeah, I've got mine too. To mess with. <laughs> we are going to start this tale in 1990, the year of my birth. <laughs> I was already like two or three by then, it's depending sad. on the month. So, in this year, 17-year-old Rose Ryan had just decided to move to Boston. She had just graduated from with honors from Lynn East High School in Lynn, Massachusetts. Wait, did you say 17? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, she graduated early. With honors. Yep. Impressive. Was ready to do her thing. Start her life. So in the late summer of 1990, Rose met a man that would wind up turning her life upside down. She's going to get to right to the punch with this one. She was at a concert with friends when she met Michael Cartier. Michael was handsome, had blue eyes and dark hair, and knew all of the right things to all say. All the Prince Eric's out there. Uh-huh. He was not, though. He was definitely... No, I know. I'm just saying Prince Eric ruined uh it for so many girls with Disney (laughs) with the dark hair, blue eyes, like, tall stature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And he was. was (sighs) Dang it. But he knew all the right things to say to rope Rose in Mm. and really just into his world of chaos. And that's not even burying the lead. Like, just tip of the iceberg with this one. Okay. They began dating very soon after. Okay. And again, Rose was 17. I believe Michael was 19 at this time. Okay. So, not a huge age difference, but still. Okay. Rose recalled that Michael was really her first boyfriend. She came from a very devoutly religious home, and her parents were really quite protective. Like, she had a sheltered upbringing, more or less. Rose had planned to work that summer and save money to start college, um, but she fell in with Michael and the music scene that he was in. She was really into punk, and this is the 90s. Punk was huge at this time. But Rose was also, she had this like romantic side about her. She loved books. She loved reading. She loved writing. And, you know, it was just, she had these two very different sides to her, I think. And Michael kind of helped her tap into that other side of her that she hadn't been able to really before. So Michael worked as a bouncer and he was like, it was described as he was like a freelance bouncer. He just worked at various different clubs and it was really just the heavy. Like, he just... It's like... It wasn't even like he was employed with these clubs. They just, like, brought him in to take out the riffraff and... He's 19, though. I didn't know clubs allowed 19-year-old bouncers. I thought you had to he be at least 21. older, for sure. Like... Interesting. He very easily could have, like, passed for late 20s, early 30s. 
Yeah, he looked older. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. And he could have been a little bit older, but I'm pretty sure. Well, then he, he actually may have been in his early 20s. But either okay. way, like early 20s at the very latest. Okay. I think I'll answer my own question later. Okay. But I don't really give a shit. I, I about feel this you. guy. I'm just going to I'm just be saying, <laughs> like, good thing he didn't use retinol. Right. Jeez. <laughs> So, like I said, he bounced at various different venues around Boston, um, and he lived on Commonwealth Avenue at the time that he met Rose. He shared the apartment with his roommate, Kara Booker, I think is how you pronounce it. It's B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. They had actually dated off and on, but things became really strained between them. Um, Kara actually recalled in an interview that he really didn't like her. It's like they had dated, and it's kind of like, it seemed like he just used her for sex. Maybe... Um, and so it was just contentious. Like he would play music super loud and she would ask him to turn it down and he would get so pissed off. He was kind of like typical wild punk dude, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, Michael, once he and Rose started dating, he quickly got her to quit her job, <sighs> which just immediately it's like starting to isolate. You know, this is a textbook sign. I was going to say, it's abuse. something that we unfortunately see Every time we have a case like this. exactly, And like I said, she's supposed to be saving to go to school. So this was already derailing her plans. She was 17, you know, and she's just getting a taste of adulthood. And she's like, oh, here's an adult relationship. And it's not like she was naive. She just was young and she was excited to experience the world. And she thought that he was going to help her do that. You only get used by a guy so many times <laughs> before you put your foot down and say, okay, that's enough. So Michael had confided in Rose and he would say things like no one loved him. Rose was the only person that could help him. Already gaslighting. Yeah, this one's got it. This one runs the whole gamut, guys. Michael had a notably troubled childhood. I really am not, I, I have no desire to really dive into him much, but I just want to at least like give some background um, and again, this is, or to be very clear, this is not to make any excuses. It's just kind of like painting the picture. Well, and unfortunately, we know in this field, they tend to come from really right. shitty home lives. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so his mother, Penny, had him at the age of 17. And his father, who was 19 at the time, reportedly left them when Michael was about six months old. When he was seven, his mother sent him to the New England Home for Little Wanderers. <laughs> which sounds precious, but it is not. It was a state treatment center for troubled children. This was after he would do things like light matches around their gas stove. And trigger warning, he had a bunny that he dismembered, like ripped its legs. At that age? Yeah. He was like five or six. Wow. Yes. That's early. Exactly. I, you don't normally hear about it that early. Wow. I'm exactly. not making excuses, but that's yep. that's shocking. Alarming. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He stayed there until he was 12 years old. Then he went on to the Harbor School, which was a treatment center for disturbed teenagers. He was there for four years until he was turned over to his biological father. Oh, so now he wants to be in the picture? Hmm. I think, like, I don't know, because it kind of seemed... I didn't, I didn't do a lot of research right, on him, because I fucking care. Absolutely. But, and when I read it, kind of sounded like his mom, like, pushed his dad out. Oh, okay. That's I don't fair. know, though. I don't know for certain. Because, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Could be totally wrong. But it was just kind of my interpretation. 
I'm already anxious. <laughs> I know I'm watching you fidget yeah. so hard. <laughs> I might have to go take a puff up of my inhaler. Your chest is turning red. I know. <laughs> Michael's roommate Kara remembered that he had a deep hatred for his mother. And she remembers him saying that he wanted to get a tattoo on his arm of his mother hanging from a tree and of animals ripping her apart. That's another sign. Exactly. They're mom haters. Exactly. Or they're, like, obsessed with their moms in, like, a creepy way. Right. And his mom was interviewed, too, and she knows that he hated her. Like, she wasn't even surprised by it, and she makes no excuses for him whatsoever. She recounted her from his childhood. She's like, none of this is an excuse at all. But they wanted insight into him. So, wild. Very wild. Yeah. So, you know... Like we often say, I know Courtney on Evil Pudding says all the time, you can feel bad for the child, but don't feel bad for who they for become. For the adult of who they become. I don't even know if I feel bad for him, though, because it seemed like his mom was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this kid. <laughs> it kind of sounds like he was almost born with That's what his mom and I think problems. his stepsister said that, too. Like, he was born that way. Like, Oof. that kid came out the womb evil. Yeah. Something did not connect in the womb. Exactly. Yikes. Okay. Just background. Okay. Um, like, like I said, we can feel bad for the kid, but none of this is an excuse for his behavior as an adult. And he even dabbled in being a skinhead at one point. Oh, God. Okay. Bravo. I was really hoping that wouldn't come into it, but all right. Fair enough. He was, like, getting into some neo-Nazi shit, so real big fuck bag. That was big in the 90s, too. Yikes. Okay. So, and I said, he even dabbled in being a skinhead and other such notable shitbag things. (laughs) Are those your words? And that's enough about him. Yes, those are my words. Perfect. (laughs) I do that for myself all the time. It's like so I can compartmentalize while I'm taking my notes. I just put notes for myself in there like, (laughs) duh, fuck. I usually put like WTF. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now after laying that exceptional groundwork, we can surmise that Cartier was an expert gaslighter to Uh, Rose. Expert. Yeah. He was chaotic, like I said, but he knew how to turn on the charm. He knew how to turn it on to her, to others, and he even met Rose's parents early on in their relationship, which I didn't know because I had actually, um, I'll talk about it a little bit later, like after everything, but I saw a show about Rose first and that didn't come into play. So this is actually in the article that I read about this, that he made a good impression on her parents, her very protective and... I have a question out of sheer curiosity, Mm -hmm. and this is about him. Did you find anything in your research that he was diagnosed as a sociopath? Not a sociopath, but there were things. Like, I never saw a specific diagnosis. I'm just curious why he wasn't diagnosed with something if he was in those special schools. Because I feel like he had a lot of signs. He thinks that he had records that were sealed. Ah, okay, fair enough. Okay. Okay. Whenever I say me thinks, I'm being sarcastic. Yes. Just so you guys know, I think Courtney's figured that out, but... <laughs> I'm over here like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. I'm not an actual asshole that talks like that. <laughs> no. You're not an asshole anyway, you dork. I am, but... Now that Michelle has her inhaler, because <laughs> she's so anxious. I get anxious. very anxious, and I have <laughs> asthma too, and my anxiety and my asthma like to exacerbate each other. It's a great dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> Get that puff, girl. Get that puff. <laughs> Courtney's like, do it in the microphone. <laughs> I want it in. I want it in the edit. 
We both have an inhaler. Yep. <laughs> We're both asthmatic babies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Continue. So, like I said before I stopped, um, Rose introduced her parents to Michael, and he surprisingly made a good impression on them. However, about two months into their relationship, Michael turned on Rose. She had gotten upset with him after he put her into a barrel. Like, literally, like, lifted her up and put her into a barrel. And he apparently was kidding. But she got pissed. Which I would do. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I would question your fucking sanity. Exactly. For even trying to put me in exactly. a barrel. Exactly. But when Rose got mad and walked away, he ran up to her behind her and punched her <gasps> in the back of the head. Like, full fucking force. Dick! Yeah. She kept going, and he proceeded to punch her again. Right. Your face is exactly my brain. <laughs> oh my god, that man's balls would not even exist. Dude, seriously. This was all in broad daylight. No one stopped him. Rose even recalls that this was one of many incidents like this and no one ever intervened. I think it's because he looked intimidating. Like, he looked scary and no one wanted to fuck with him. But, like, seriously, people? I don't give a fuck. Exactly! Jump in. Exactly! Especially if there's multiple people, jump in. Exactly. What the fuck, man? Do better. Yeah. So, like the expert gaslighter he is, I'm going to use that term a lot because literally he is textbook. Cartier would always end these incidents in the same way. He would start crying. He would turn it around and make Rose forgive him. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And she recalled that he would say things like, quote, Oh, why do I always hurt the people I love? What can I do? My mother didn't love me. I need your help. End quote. That is like a full-on, like, textbook definition of gaslighting. Exactly. Trust me, I had a gaslighter. Yeah. Making people feel bad for him and excusing the shit things that he does. Early on into their relationship, Rose recalls spending a few consecutive nights at Michael and Kara's apartment. Michael bought Rose a kitten... But he didn't get the kitten a litter box off the bat, it sounds like. Either way, there was one day that it was left alone all day without a litter box. And the baby had to do its business somewhere and went to the bathroom with Michael's coat. Trigger warning. I already know it's coming. You can see it on my face. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, I hate this. But it's It's, it's necessary. Yeah. It is. Because it still ties in. Rose said that he became enraged and threw the kitten into the shower and proceeded to turn on hot water and force the kitten to stay under the hot water. And then he proceeded to shave off all the kitten's hair with his razor. What the fuck? The poor baby did survive, but lived in absolute fear. Rose said it would always be hiding under a bed. And unfortunately, it didn't survive for long. On October 4th of 1990, so remember they met like late summer of 1990, so it's really only a few months later, Michael was binge drinking with some friends and he had come home, Rose was at his apartment, and he ended up smashing a sledgehammer through the wall in his bedroom and it went into his neighbor's apartment. That's how hard he smashed it. Trigger running again. Michael then proceeded to throw the kitten out of the window of his apartment, which was on the fourth floor. And the kitten died. You disgusting fucking human. I know. 
sorry. I I do not handle animal abuse. I mean, any abuse at all, but animal abuse. Yeah. And this is only the beginning of our story. Oh, God, I'm not ready. Okay. So, like I said, Rose was in the apartment when all of this happened. Um, She left, though, during the chaos, and she didn't tell Michael that she was leaving, which I won't either. Bye, bitch. She went back to the apartment a bit later, and the cops were there, and one of the officers straight up told her to leave. They're like, go, he's fucking crazy. And he was being let out in handcuffs. (sighs) He was already on probation at this time, but he still managed to get away with only more probation after this incident. And he was only charged with malicious destruction. The animal cruelty and the other charges were dropped. Why? And I literally said, the fuck? (laughs) Why? Why would they drop that stuff? That's Girl, horrendous. Let that rage simmer because it's just going to boil over. <laughs> it's going to get worse. Michael's roommate, Kara, thought that he was going to go to jail. Only because he violated his probation, one would think, let alone the crazy fucking shit that he did that night. And even in like the show that I watched, Rose had like come back to the apartment and like I said, she loved books and she had a ton of books and he had like torn apart all of her fucking books, knocked over her bookcases, like everything. Seemingly just because she left. Around Christmas, so this had happened in October, now we're about to Christmas time, there was another incident where Michael got mad at Rose. They had been at a party and I think they went back to his apartment and he had bought a pizza, but she didn't want to eat. Okay. She can make her own fucking decisions if she wants right. to eat some fucking pizza. She's a grown-ass adult. Exactly. But he got mad at her. So... Rose, after the whole thing happened, she had told her sister Tina that she had started walking back to the party that they had recently left. And Michael hit her so hard, like backhanded her on the face, that she fell down. And he kicked her while she was down on the ground. And when he finally stopped kicking her, he said, quote, you better get up or I'll kill you, end quote. Remember that. Rose, understandably distanced herself from Michael after this incident. She broke off the relationship, but Michael proceeded to threaten to kill her a number of times. Threaten to kill her? Yes. hmm They ended up crossing paths in March, and he told Rose that he had a gun at that time. Which I don't believe that he did. I think he was just saying that he did at that time. But Rose and her sisters called his probation officer at the time named Tom Casey, who had advised Rose to get a restraining order. By March 28th, he had gotten a warrant out for Michael's arrest. But it wouldn't be a quick ordeal. <laughs> of course not. Michael, like, during this time, like, the next, like, two months were really muddy and crazy. But Michael was admitted to a mental hospital on April 2nd of 1991 on what was called a Section 12, which was, quote, a law providing for emergency restraint of dangerous persons because of suicidal ideation and an overdose of some sort. I know exactly what a section 12 is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. He was talking about killing Rose Ryan, just talking about it plainly. And with, he said he was going to kill her with a gun in the next two weeks. And so that's why he was admitted. But he had also spent four days in the same center in January. So he was there in January. I think he was there four days, got out, was back there in March because he was threatening to kill Rose. But when he went back, in March, he denied making the threats, and they released him. He's like, I never fucking said that. 
I told you, this timeline is going to get wobbly. It's going to get kind of crazy. Let me know if you need clarification on anything, because I'm sure if you're not clear, other listeners will not be clear. <laughs> so I'm just know. trying to like keep my temper down, because I'm oh, like girl. raging, and I know you're telling keep me it. that there's so much more to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I know this story, but I don't remember how it ends. Yeah. <clears throat> I had heard about it, too, but I was the same. <clears throat> so... Around the middle of April of 1991, Cartier found Rose on her way home from a friend's house. And she was on the T, which was the train, like the trolley train and subway system in Boston. Mind you, he had his warrant out for his arrest at this point, but he hadn't been arrested yet. Police hadn't been able to find him, I guess. He ended up following Rose off the train and he chased her while wheeling a pair of scissors. And Rose was able to dodge the scissors. Like, he had, like, knocked her down. He went to try to stab her. She dodged it. But he managed to punch her in the mouth instead. And clearly this isn't a public place. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Again. Again. Lovely. In the show I watched, they are like, in a stairwell. I, like, it was her retelling of it. So I imagine that is as accurate as it's going to get. But there was, like, someone that had passed by them at one point. But it was, like, before he had her on the ground. So... so after all of this michael had finally had a court hearing i don't know if it like i don't think it was related to the warrant that he had i think it was a separate court hearing for like violating probation i don't really know because it's such a fucking mess with this guy but he ran into rose and her sister tina outside of the courthouse so either way it was related to rose i just don't know if it was directly linked to the warrant rose's sister tina recalls quote He said, I know who you are. I'm going to kill you too. End quote. Mm -hmm. After Rose and her sister testified at the hearing, the judge sent Michael to jail for three months on a probation violation. A month after that, he was given an additional year in jail for the attack on Rose when he tried to stab her with the scissors when he followed her off of the tee. Right. It's messy and I don't fucking get it. It's just he literally had a rolling probation violation. I'm just confused as to why the judicial system thought that just, you know, giving him a year or... I think you should just not even question it at this time because it's just going to get fucking worse. Yep. So, like I said, he was given an additional year, but he only served six months. Of course. course. I knew it. Of course course he did. (laughs) Okay. The entire time that he was incarcerated, he was still harassing Rose and... Pretty much stalking her for all intents and purposes. He would call her anytime he could on the jail phone. And he got other prisoners to write her threatening letters. So she was literally still being barraged with his bullshit. (laughs) This one gets me so fucking heated. Rose kept record of all of these incidents at the advice of the DA, thankfully. Yeah. Michael's released in November of 1991. (laughs) <laughs> so it's literally almost a year after her like issue with him in October the uh-huh. prior year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And when he was released, it was pretty much just due to overcrowding, but he was behaving really well. That was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Two of the luck of the entire world, I say this loosely, but at least there were someone that fucking cared. Essex County was adamant on keeping him off of the streets. He had technically been incarcerated under Boston jurisdiction, so Cartier got picked up for violating probation on previous offense but Essex County was only able to sentence him to 59 days in jail like that was as much as he could get for whatever the fuck that they got him I don't even know what the fuck this one was 
And he was released after 49 days. <sighs> Rose lived in constant fear after everything happened. Understandably. Like, fucking understandably. She slept with knives around her bed. She kept a baseball bat in her car. And she carried mace in her purse. She said in an interview, quote, I always thought that he would come back and try to get me. End quote. I don't fucking blame her mm. at all. Mm-mm. At one point, I... Like, she had ended things, and Michael talked her into coming to his apartment to get her stuff. Or it wasn't even his apartment. He wasn't even allowed to be there. He was staying with a friend. This was, like, after all of this shit went down. And he was staying with a friend. And this was, again, from the show that I watched. He essentially kidnapped her. Trigger warning. And held her hostage in the room that he was staying at. Raped her repeatedly. And then I think she was there overnight and I think he let her go the next day. Like she managed to convince him that she would stay and that she would be with him. She obviously had no intention of doing that. So he had had a punishment for attack and I believe it was this attack separate from the subway one. Like I said, this is super messy and -hmm. complicated. So I apologize for all the back and forth. But seriously, this is just this dude is fucking (sighs) wild. Um, in terms of the punishment for the attack on Rose, Michael is only mandated to attend a once-a-week class called Alternatives to Violence. And this class essentially just taught people how to react like normal people to stress instead of reacting with violence. Yeah, but if they're already so far gone, Thank what's you. the point? Thank you. <laughs> and again, it was once a week. Once a week. Right, like once yeah. a week doesn't do anything. Uh-huh. That's why you have to work out at least twice a week or right. go to a class twice a week. Like, right. <laughs> exactly. Weird. Like, it's like, I go. Like, does it really stick? Who knows? So Rose, she distanced herself from Michael, obviously, and she had to start healing somehow. Yeah. She moved to Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, what a wicked yeah. place to go. That's awesome. <laughs> and she actually got a new boyfriend named Sean Casey, who actually knew Michael as well. I'm not sure if they knew each other from, like, the music scene or what, but Rose thought that Michael was actually intimidated by Sean because Sean had more tattoos than Michael did. <laughs> Badass for the tattoos. Yeah. But she said he was so sweet and so patient with her and just understood. You know, like, she mm-hmm. was just... She had to take things slow, and she had to learn how to be normal again, essentially. And she started working um, at one of their family's, their family's businesses with her sister. I'm not sure what the business was, but it was good. She okay. was, you know, in with family and everything else. So Sean, Rose's new boyfriend, even went to Boston to confront Michael. Because Michael was still harassing her this entire fucking time. Wow, and, he's got some balls. Right. <laughs> like, woo, right. I'm here for it. This is the following March okay. at this point. God damn, so we're like two years past now? When they first it was, met? This was March of... Yeah, I think so. It was almost two years. Oh my god, yeah, she has been is, dealing with this for almost two right. years now. I think this is March of 92 at this point. Rose's new boyfriend, Sean, went to Boston to confront Michael. Like I said, he was still harassing her at this point. This was in March. And while they were talking, Michael had a new girlfriend who walked by. And he told Sean, quote, I don't need Rose anymore. I have a new girlfriend. End quote. Or he said, I have my own girlfriend. Okay, well then stop harassing her. Yeah. Yep. And I fell for the new girlfriend already. Yeah. So now we're going to flip. Okay. Oh, crap. Okay. Kristen Lardner was a 21-year-old art student in Boston, Massachusetts in 1992. Which is when her story takes place. Okay. 
She was the youngest of five children and was born in Washington, D.C. Her father recounts how she loved rock music and she loved funky clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And loved to have an array of hair colors. Love it. Yeah, very creative. Girl after our own hearts. Yep. (laughs) She had a slew of pets that she loved growing up and she would care for them, he said, cheerfully. (laughs) Aww. And she had cats, hamsters, guinea pigs, and I think they even said like a mouse too. So she just loved all of the small little critters. And he said, quote, she made life sparkle. End quote. Oh, that's so sweet. Precious. I love that. Kristen's father recounted that one time a boy from high school, quote, dropped his pants in front of her, end quote. Ew. Ew. And she responded by knocking out one of his front teeth. I'm like, fuck yeah, girl. <laughs> oh Total my God, badass. That's hilarious. I Total love it. Badass. I love it. Yep. That's the way to do it. Yep, exactly. By all accounts, Kristen was a brilliant and extremely strong-minded young woman, and she never backed down from a challenge, which I love. Kristen attended Wilson High School, and she decided early on that she wanted to become an artist, and she took both art and photography classes in high school. She even had paintings that were submitted to a local art gallery by her high school art teacher. Wow. Yeah, which is so awesome. After she graduated from high school, she attended Boston University, but she ended up transferring after two years to a fine arts program, which was run um, in tandem by the School of the Museum Museum of Fine Arts and the Tufts University. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Pretty prestige. Great program, exactly. Wow. She was notably talented and focused on sculpture and jewelry making, primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen met 22-year-old Michael Cartier around the end of January 1922 at a club called Axis. She had recognized him as a bouncer at another club that she had been to. The two hit it off, and they began dating pretty much immediately. And Kristen's friends recall her really being smitten with Michael. Kristen's brother, Charlie, was not a fan, though. I don't think he'd met him in person at all. He was just going based off, like, what Kristen told him. And he told Kristen to get rid of him. And, like, he's not good enough for you. And called him at zero, even. Like, No zero zero to hero on that one. Just zero. (laughs) Exactly. Michael was sort of honest with Kristen, and he told her he had been to jail for, quote, hitting a girlfriend, end quote, but really downplayed what actually happened. Soon enough, Kristen was finding herself making excuses for the way that Michael acted. He was so jealous and would constantly accuse her of cheating, and, like, cheating with guys that just she had been talking to, like... She's just a friendly person. And he'd be like, are you messing around with that guy? And just pointing the finger at her. Typical. He even hit her at one point over an argument about her art. Fucking kidding me? Like, I don't even know the context of it, but he got pissed off at her about her art and hit her. This guy's swine. Michael hit her for the first time around early March. So, remember, they had met at the end of January. 1992. So he hit her for the first time around early March and Kristen freaked out on him. She said that she wanted him to go to counseling, but he managed to gaslight her as he does. And she wanted to believe that he was actually sorry. He did what he does. He started crying like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I do this and making excuses like "Mm." fucked up childhood. Kristen told all her friends about it though, except for her roommate, Lauren. Lauren went to school with her and friends and family after the fact thought that she was probably too embarrassed to tell Lauren. That'd be fair. Yeah. 
And Lauren had met him. She had interacted with Michael, too. And she was just kind of like, yeesh, girl. It's hard when you're in that situation to tell the people that are closest to you of what's happening to right. you. Right. It's easier to tell the people you don't care terribly for, right? Like right. your acquaintances. Exactly. Exactly. Kristen went home to visit her family in Washington around the middle of March, but she didn't tell her parents about Michael. Her, I'm pretty sure her older sister also knew about him and her brother Charlie, like I mentioned, did as well. But when Kristen got back to Boston, Michael tried to get back into her good graces by giving her a kitten. Sound familiar? Oh, God. <sighs> During a fight one night, Michael ended up putting the kitten on top of a door in the article I read, it said a door jam. Apparently, the kitten was very tiny. I just think of, like, a door jam, like, literally, like, the tiny little thing that connects with the door. I don't know for certain. But either way, the poor baby fell off and landed on its head. And it was injured so badly that Kristen had to have it put down. I I just don't even fucking get it. I can't even speak. I can't. I know. <clears throat> At this point, Kristen was beside herself, understandably so. And she decided to call home and tell her parents about Michael. She talked to her mom first and she just kind of told her mom about Michael. Didn't really tell her what bad was going on. And her mom was kind of like, well, what does he do? And she's like, well, he works at a club with like someone that was her friend that she had told her mom about. And she's like, oh, does he do art? And she was like, no. And mom's like, what does he do? And she's like, he's like a bouncer. <laughs> and her mom's like, mm, don't love that for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And her mom, I guess, like, George, her husband, got home later and she's like, please call your daughter. And then Kristen was, like, even more upset at this point, told her dad about the cat. I don't think she divulged, like, that he was abusive, but just kind of told him about that. And her parents, they were trying to be supportive. They loved her, but they're trying to find a gentle way to say, like, we don't want you dating someone that does stupid shit like this. Mm -hmm. Which... It's a hard, fine line right. for parents. Right. So... This brings us to April 16th, the day after one of Michael's court-mandated alternative to violence classes. He and Kristen went out on a date. Michael, they got in a fight about something. I don't even know what the fuck it was. Always something. And Michael ended up pushing Kristen down on the sidewalk in front of a fast food restaurant. I don't know if that's where they were at or they were just passing it. Not sure. But she ended up cutting her hand. And she was pissed. She got up, she told Michael to leave her alone, and she started walking. She told him that she never wanted to see him again, but he chased after her and proceeded to beat her up. Like, again, knocked her to the ground, kicking her, all the things. Sound familiar? Exact same thing that he did to Rose. <clears throat> she tried to stay away from him after this, like she made it home without him, but he told her not to call the police, and she didn't for a while. She did later, but not right away. In the eventual police report, the notes say that they were arguing just a few blocks from Kristen's apartment when Cartier knocked her to the ground and proceeded to kick her multiple times. Kristen recalled that he told her to get up and said, quote, get up or I'll kill you, end quote. Remember that one. Exactly. <clears throat> she got up and thankfully there was a motorist that was passing by and they helped her get home. That's good. At least somebody yes. has a... Good piece of exactly. humanity in them. Exactly. As a result of this incident, though, Kristen suffered from hematomas in her legs and persistent horrible headaches from him kicking her in the head. Hematomas in her yeah. legs? Yeah, because he was just kicking her legs and kicking her head. 
fucking terrible. She confided in one of her teachers at Tufts, who was named Ross Ellenhorn. He was also a counselor for an educational program that was aimed at rehabilitating abusive men. Crazy that this was in Ironic. Right. The program was called Emerge. Kristen reached out to Professor Ellenhorn in hopes of getting Michael into the program. Like, it just shows what kind she of person she is. She's a sweet she girl. Is. Yeah, she's like, I'm enduring this, but I want him to get the help that mm-hmm. he needs. I feel I feel for her. Yes. I, I was in the same situation. Right. I feel for her. I just don't know how y'all do this. I really don't. <laughs> I think sometimes we kind of have a little bit of a screw loose ourselves. Because you care. We care, yep. yeah. Ellenhorn said in an interview, quote, I told her that he could kill her because she was leaving him and that's when things get dangerous, end quote. Michael ended up going to the Emerge office, shockingly, which mm. was located in Cambridge, Massachusetts, around the end of April. So the incident happened on April 16th. So now okay. we're pushing the end of April, 1992. Ellen Horn was there that night. He, he started doing the intake form with him, and Ellen Horn asked Cartier if he was on probation. Duh, of course he fucking was. He was on probation for attacking another woman. And he confirmed that he was, but when Ellen Horn asked for the name of his probation officer, Michael got pissed, and he said something along the lines of, fuck this, no way. And then he ripped up all of the paperwork, put it in his pocket, and left. I feel like that's a key thing to remember. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yep. So this brings us to May 6th of 1992. Okay, so probably like a week later. Yeah-ish. Michael finished his man- mandated courses... Of the alternatives to violence class. So they did six months, right? That's how long he did them? What was it? He started in December, right? And finished in May? That's six months? I don't think he started in December. I feel like he was like in there for like a year. Hold on. 1991. It was like May of 1991. So almost a year. It was about a year. Or in May of 1992. Okay. Yep. A year. Yeah. Still, like his... so you do four classes a month. Mm-hmm. For a year. And clearly he learned so much. Oh my God. And yeah, because his final like assault on Rose happened in the summer of 1990. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> yeah. Breathe, Courtney. Breathe. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm so mad. My eyes. I never do this, guys. I never have my eyes closed like this and I'm never trying to like temper down my temper, but I'm... <laughs> About yeah, to rage. This one makes me heated. I've had like angry fever dreams about I'm gonna this go case. straight M cubed like T Rex mode, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I was gonna say like I wanna say this full T Rex episode. <laughs> okay, so okay. on May 6th, Michael finished his mandated course run, the alternatives to violence class. The day after he finished his class, he bought a card and a dozen red roses for Kristen. He went to this flower shop and apparently like knew the owner of the flower shop. And the flower shop owner helped him write the card. And they said, like, they had done this before to him. Like, he would always do this. If he would get, if his girlfriends would get pissed off, he'd be like, I fucked up. I want to be better. Help me write this. Blah, blah, blah. And so they helped him write the card. And Michael had the flowers delivered by one of the workers in the shop. So he did not deliver them. The worker that dropped the flowers off at Kristen's apartment recalled... Um, one of Kristen's roommates, she had two at this time, a male and a female roommate. I'm not sure if Lauren was still one of her roommates at the time or not. Um, but the male roommate opened the door and like, it's like, seemed like he immediately knew who they were from and was really reluctant 
to even take them and give them to Kristen. Somewhere around this time, it was also reported that Michael got a gun. The same owner of the flower shop remembers having a conversation with Michael about this. He had reportedly said that he got it to just have it. How did he even obtain it? Illegally. Okay. <laughs> very, very, very illegally. Well, that makes me feel a little bit yeah. better. It, it makes me feel better knowing that, like, somebody didn't do a background check yeah. and just, like, let it go. Yeah, no, because he definitely should not have had one. He paid $750 for it, I think. Like I said, this is the owner of the flower shop. They tried to teach him some, like, safety stuff. So, at least, like, if he had it, he was going to be safe with it. Whatever. And he said, he said something along the lines of, like, if I kill someone, will you report me? Just blatantly. And the flower shop owner's like, yeah, yeah, dude, I would. You fucking kidding me? I don't know, man. I don't know why they didn't report him to the police at that time. I don't fucking know. <clears throat> so that's why I also don't think that he actually had a gun when he told Rose that he did. That's why I said that earlier. Right. I don't know. He obviously was not supposed to be in possession of a firearm regardless. I don't know if any of his shit was actually a felony. Who knows? Because knowing his luck, he probably just kept getting misdemeanors. You're like fair. Although, can you get probation if you just had a misdemeanor? I don't. I'm not a criminal, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not either, so I'm not really sure either. But weigh in if you know. Weigh in. Let I us feel know. Like you can. Anyway, Kristen also reportedly called Michael's probation officer. I think he had a different one at this time because it was a different name. I didn't really. They fucking suck, so I didn't really care the name. If I'm being honest, um, she had told them that he charged a thousand dollars on her credit card to buy like a weight machine. It was like a Nordic track machine, I think. Yeah. And he had just put it on her credit card and she was like, um, you either need to like return it or give it to me. Like, that's not yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how he even managed to do it. I think he like blackmailed her into it or something or tricked her. I have no idea. But she also told them about the physical abuse that she'd endured at his hands. But nothing was done about it. Why? <clears throat> Dude, I don't fucking know. Kristen decided to ask the courts for help on the situation. I'm not sure if she just tried to file, like, a suit at first for, like, the financial stuff. I'm not sure, but it kind of snowballed into other stuff. While she was trying to get help in the situation, she confided in her older sister, Helen, who's actually a lawyer at this time. Um, Kristen told her that she also found out that Michael was doing drugs at this time, which, last fucking thing this dude needs, he was snorting heroin. Snorting heroin? Yeah, because heroin powdered. People well, I know. I've never heard I've of I've never heard of anyone snorting. That's why I looked at I you like, what the... F- I know. Shit's just going straight up into his brain. Ooh, that's yeah. really... Because that's going to put holes in your brain, literally. Right. Okay. I feel like that fucker already had some holes in his brain. Well, yeah, I think it's just making him worse, but... Yeah. Kristen did end up getting a temporary restraining order against Michael. This only lasted a week, so the clock was ticking for them to get another hearing in motion and try to get a more permanent protective order in place. I struggle with protective orders, guys. I I will preach this till the day I die. I don't understand protective orders because, truthfully, it's a piece of paper. Right. And there's so many limitations on them anyway. Yes. In my opinion, if you're going to have a protective order, it should be everything. The whole fucking game. Everything. Like, don't even look at them. Don't even sneeze in their direction. If Get you're the in the same building as them, you turn around and leave. Exactly. Like, they're... But the problem is, is that they don't give a shit because it's a piece of paper and nobody can do anything to them until they have an action that mm-hmm. causes the police to show up. And Bingo. that's why I have a problem with It just with means them. they would get arrested more easily. Right. If they're caught. Right. Bingo. 
The order prohibited Michael from going to Kristen's school, her work, or her apartment. Whoopee. The idea, like I said, was to work on getting another hearing scheduled and get a more permanent order in effect, which would last a year after that point. So you're telling me, like, she would have had to fucking keep going to court to try to continue getting these? No. Like, he was relentless. He wasn't going to fucking just let off. No, and when they're like that, they don't care. Yeah. So okay. this brings us to May 30th. I feel like this is, like, a pivotal, like, I'm going to hate my life moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is rough, guys. Okay. So, Cartier was at a show at a venue called The Rathskeller, and he was bouncing. People that went there, like, they all knew him. He was, you know, this music scene was very tight-knit. Like, everyone knew each other. And people said that normally when they would come in the door, Michael would, like, punch him on the arm, say, hey, dude, whatever. He was, like, giving people long hugs this day. He is not a hugger. People are like, what the fuck is happening with you? And everyone thought it was weird. And then he literally just booked it out of the club, out of nowhere. Just left. So clearly he had a mental snap that day. Yeah. Okay. Kristen, meanwhile, was at work. She was supposed to work until 6 p.m., but her boss ended up cutting her at 5. They just didn't need her for the extra hour. She was bummed because she was like, that's literally an hour of pay that I'm losing out on. I get that. And her friend Lauren was supposed to meet her there. I'm not sure if they just had plans afterwards or what. Um, but she decided to go to a friend's house nearby and just kill time and meet Lauren back there at 6 o'clock. Lauren actually ended up getting to Kristen's work early, around like 5.40. And her boss told her that Kristen got cut early. So I'm not sure if she just went looking for her or went home. But... Close to 6 p.m., witnesses recalled Michael Cartier literally going around town asking for a crowbar. And he told people that he had to go hurt someone. When they're like, why do you need a crowbar? This was literally normal for him. No one fucking questioned it. Because they're like, oh, it's just Michael being Michael. Question it. I know. I know. Michael then went into a convenience store at 1 minute to 6 p.m. And a friend of his and Kristen's both, so mutual friend... Saw him in there. He asked Michael if he was going to work that night at another club. And Mike said that he was, but that he had to, quote, shoot someone first. End quote. The friend didn't take Michael seriously. I mean, I do get that, truthfully. If someone's this wild, I understand that. Like, literally just chaos yeah walking. not making an excuse right. for him but i can understand that if yeah, you like have if somebody that's that weird says stuff like this all the time yeah you're gonna be like, like huh, you're funny bye right. like i do get that and i understand that but at the same time it's not an excuse, like but yes i understand completely what yeah you're oh yeah that hurts okay yeah so on the evening of may 30th a shooting had been reported in the early evening around 5 p.m so i'm gonna kind of jump back and forth here for a little bit so try to stay with me okay A woman had been shot in the face and the head. The victim was Kristen Lardner, and the suspect was her ex-boyfriend, Michael Cartier. At the time of her death, Kristen had a protective order in place against him. This is what the news report said. This brings us back, I kind of want to jump back, to when Michael was at the convenience store. Like I said, his friend asked him, are you going to work tonight? He said, I have to go shoot someone first. Seconds after he walked out of the door, the clerk in the store heard shots fired. He looked up and he saw Kristen fall. He went outside and he saw her lying on the ground in the fetal position. He just stood there, didn't know what to do. He looked inside at another store that was nearby. It was like a laundromat, tanning salon place. And someone inside of there was already on the phone. 
and either him or someone else just came and held Kristen's hand. <laughs> I can do this. I can get through it. <clears throat> so, witnesses said that Michael spotted her and hid while she passed him. Like, he saw her, went in, like, in an alley or something and hid. Let her pass him. Then he came up from behind her, had about 15, 20 feet in between them, and shot her. He shot her in the head, shot her in the back, and he... What went. a fucking coward. You can't even... Like, I'm not saying that it's uh, that it's okay <laughs> that she got shot and died, but, like, yeah. the fact that you even had to stand behind her to do I it... I know. Like... Oh my god, I can't. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and he ran into a nearby alley and fled the scene. Of course he did. So, again, like I said, jumping around a little bit, stay with me. George Lardner Jr., who's Kristen's dad, Mm -hmm. recounted the day his daughter was killed in an article that he wrote for the Washington Post. This is where all my stuff came through. I told you Mm -hmm. I'm usually a multi-source gal. This article was straight from her father and recounted Rose's story and hers and it was just such a beautiful culmination of everything but he was actually a writer for or he was a reporter for the Washington Post at this time and this whole article is called The Stalking of Kristen on Saturday May 30th 1992 George was at work his daughter Helen who you remember is the older sister who's the lawyer yep she was calling his work phone constantly until he answered. This is before cell phones were a normal thing. He finally went back to his desk, answered his phone, and Helen was sobbing on the other end of the phone. And she yelled for him to come home right away. And in a panic, George asked what was wrong, like what was going on. And Helen continued sobbing, saying that Kristen had been shot and killed. George had just talked to her the previous afternoon. And Larry, the last words she said to him were, I love you. Uh, that is heartwarming knowing that he had that. Yeah. So those last words that he heard from her. By 7.30 p.m. that day, police had cordoned off an apartment complex just a few blocks from the crime scene where Cartier was reported to be at. When police finally broke down the door of his apartment, they found him dead on his bed from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Fucking coward. Oh my god. He shot himself with the same gun he used to kill Kristen. Oh. Okay. Yep. In his article for the Washington Post, George Lardner Jr. said, quote, This was a crime that could and should have been prevented. I write about it as a sort of cautionary tale. An anger at a system of justice that failed to protect my daughter. A system that is addicted to looking the other way, especially at the evil done to women. End quote. After her death, a large portion of Kristen's art was found in her apartment. She had many mediums that she used. Most notably, they found a nude self-portrait of her that was made in angry colors. So they said like reds, oranges, and yellows. Mm -hmm. And it depicted her with a large bruise that Cartier had given her on their last date in April prior to her murder. So the day that she sustained the hematomas. On her legs. In her le- yeah, on her legs from what he did to her. So this is going to come full circle. Okay. <laughs> Rose Ryan remembers seeing a story about a murder on the news. She remembers telling a friend, that sounds like Mike. When the newscaster proceeded to say his name, Ryan said that she almost dropped. And I don't it doubt it. I don't Kristen's doubt it. murder. Right. The similarities between how Rose and Kristen looked 
were striking. Really? And, yeah. And even more eerie is that apparently they both looked a lot like his mother. Oh. Dark hair, dark eyes. Yeah. Probably the same skin tone, probably very similar bone structures. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there were so many more details about the story that I could tell. This is seriously just scratching the surface of what both of these women endured. But we would be here for hours. Right. So I tried to do as best I could in at least a compact time. What I will say is that Kristen was failed. A hundred fucking percent. Over and over and over again. A hundred percent. By the system, by people who knew how unstable Michael was, by everyone. And to the point that he had even told people that he was going to shoot someone. Two different people. And they didn't report it. And they were aware of his intentions, but didn't take him seriously. Because that was just Michael. And people said that he knew how to make them feel bad for him and just knew how to rope people in. And no one thought anything of it because they're like, oh, he's just fucked up. And Well, I'm sure, too, with his, like, narcissistic gaslighting behavior, Mm -hmm. right, he is always like, well, I'm just that weirdo. And everyone's like, oh, he's just weird. Like, you make that excuse of, like, he's just weird. He's just odd. He's off, like... Not right. all screws are, are tightened, like, that yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. And I think, like, unfortunately, as a society, especially in America, we have come to the conclusion that you allow that behavior because everyone's allowed to be themselves, which you right. are allowed to be yourself. Yeah, However, sure. there mm-hmm. are things that need to be taken seriously, and this is one of those things. And right. I think, as you said, as her father said... Not only was she let down by the people around her, she was let down by the system. And I think that's where I have the biggest problem because I have the same problem with my own family. Mm-hmm. But listening to all these stories, I keep hearing it over and over and over again of how the system let them down. Mm-hmm. She yep. could still be alive till this day. Right. If they had started something when Rose came forward and said, we have a problem. Right. Exactly. And I apologize. I did speak incorrectly he was 21 when he met rose okay so he was like 23 and a half when he killed kristen and he shot himself so yeah i mean and see was... he clearly knew that he was he he knew he was gonna go to prison for the rest of his life and mm-hmm. what's the easiest way out right yep and he was determined he said i'm not going back to prison he had told people that like he's like i'm not fucking going back to prison he had said like i don't have any qualms against shooting a cop i'm not going back to prison they can shoot me that like that was his stance on it so i don't know what he would have gone out regardless exactly he would have gone out blazing and having the cops kill him right or he would have killed himself i don't know what switched in him that day but he planned like it was planned he that's why like literally every single step that he took that day was toward killing her and just the way that their paths crossed and he just got lucky he didn't have to go looking for her i don't understand why he felt like that like why he felt that he had to kill her what's the point like she's not even with him and no one was allowed to leave him and unfortunately rose was spared and Kristen got his wrath turned on her because it was like he just progressed so much more and then by the time Kristen came into his web 
I don't want to be hokey, but literally, like... No, literally, that's what it is. By the time she came in there, he was so escalated, and he wasn't going to let anyone leave again. But, like, his focus was able to be on Kristen. But he was still harassing Rose this entire time that they were together. I wonder if, like, because they were so similar, this was, like, him being, like, see, Rose, you can't leave me, but Kristen was the one caught in the crossfire. Right, right. And... I have to say, the show that I watched, so it's called Obsession, Dark Desires, mm. is on ID. Acting is usually fucking awful in that show. Acting is terrible, but the stories <laughs> but are great. Exactly. It's a really dark show, but this, the guy that played Michael Cartier, Creepy. holy fuck, he did such a good job. Ooh. You have to watch it. Because I will. I love that show. That guy is I don't remember like, this episode, but I'll watch it. Yeah, that guy's like lived in my nightmares for the last two Ooh. weeks since I watched that episode. But the way that they did it, like, I... It was just so seamless how they, like, wove the stories together. And mm-hmm. it was almost like, I have to say, like, they did hyper-focus on Rose because she was the one telling it. So right, well, Kristen, she's also got a survivor story. Exactly. So you're going to get first And that's the point account. of the show. Yeah. That's the point of the show is it, it's from the survivor standpoint. So Kristen was just a very small part of it. But I was able to find so much more of Kristen after the fact. But it was like... The point of view is, like, Michael's leaving the club. He had seen Rose was supposed to go. I don't know if this actually happened, but the way they told it in the show was, like, she was going to go to a show. Michael happened to be where the show was. And then he saw this girl outside and shot her. It had ended up being Kristen. I think they just, like, didn't account for the time in between. But I don't know if Rose was actually supposed to go to that show that night. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But she told the story on the episode, so I don't know why they would have lied about that. Right, absolutely. But it's just the way that... They intertwine, and it's crazy because Sean was literally talking, and that was Kristen, who was there with Michael when Rose's new boyfriend was talking to him. And then Rose saw it on the news, and she thought immediately, that sounds like Mike, and it was. Oh, God, and I can't even imagine how Rose feels. I'm sure it was extremely traumatizing Mm -hmm. for her. Yeah, she is an incredibly strong woman. And I loved what I love so much about this article because literally my entire source was the show I watched and then George Leonard Jr.'s article Mm -hmm. because he, seriously, it was so lengthy. He talked to Michael's mom. He talked to Rose. He talked to, you know, his daughter, his son about it. He talked to Kristen's friends, literally just everyone. Mm -hmm. And the way it was told was just, it was their story. And Mm -hmm. yeah, he talked a lot about Michael, but it was literally like, why he was so fucked up Mm -hmm. you know and like what he did but it was their story and that's the thing is I feel like so much of the time like I refuse to make this story about him Mm -hmm. like I'm titling it Rose Ryan and Kristen Lardner I'm not calling it his story even though he's the common denominator no this is their story he doesn't deserve it right he took a beautiful life from someone who did not one deserve it and two who had a bright future ahead of her right Because you're fucked up. Right. And it's like, I cannot... Literally, this whole fucking thing could have been avoided if he had actually gotten a just sentence when he attacked Rose. Mm -hmm. The things that he did to her, like attempted murder, let alone kidnapping her, raping her. Yep. Like... That, that kind of stuff should never, ever be allowed to let somebody... And the right. whole overcrowding thing really pisses me off, too. Mm-hmm. Because if you have an he overcrowding thing, you should never let the violent ones exactly. out. Exactly. Let the like, ones out who have, you know, a weed violation right. like or money laundering, money laundering or la- Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you can get them again. Trust me. Exactly. You can. Because I want um, to do it. Right? But, like, the ones that are violent and you know right. they're going to do something, stop letting these people come out into exactly. the world. They are the ones that we have a problem with. Exactly. They're the ones who give us a reason to have this podcast in the first place. Exactly. And that's what I really hate because now we have to come out here. Well, not have to, but we choose to yeah. come out here right. and give these innocent victims a voice because right. these piece of shits thought it was their job to take them out of exactly. this world. Exactly. And think that they have the authority to treat people like this. I just fucking can't. Like, this is literally the most severe example of abuse that I think I've researched. In the judicial system or just in abuse? Him, like, in the him, okay. Yeah, him toward his partners and in the judicial system. Honestly, that's hard to say. Judicial system. But it's just disgusting all around My like heart Kristen is so broken right now right Kristen should still be alive she should and be literally I don't I don't remember if it was someone associated with Kristen or if it was Rose and her sister but like someone told them like this dude's rap she is fucking insane like he just had a ruling probation constantly he was constantly on I know you're telling and I bet you you don't even have half of it oh, in no. this story no he literally had like burglary charges from 1988 that had been like looming over his head at one point and they got dismissed like he could have gone to jail easily for that and they got dismissed for some reason because like it got intertwined with one of his abusive cases it is fucking insane and I will put the article in the show notes of course because it's my source but I encourage you all to read I'm it. I'm going to go read it when I get home, truthfully. Girl, when I tell you I didn't even scratch the fucking surface on this. Oh. Like, didn't even scratch the surface. It was hard. It was very difficult for me to rein this in. Like, this was such a summary. I know. I watched you when I got here and you were like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, seriously. And I've been trying to find the right way to mm. tell this because I, I wanted to and I needed to tell both of their stories. But Sorry, my stomach's growling. You might oh, hear that fine. in the mic. <laughs> But seriously, like, both of these women were only dating him for a few months. And this is how much happened in those few months. And I don't know if previous girlfriends didn't report him or if he just only I took it out on them because they looked like so a, much his mother. I wonder if it was, like, a like another mental illness, like, switch where he became obsessive at yeah. this point. Like, he had done all this other stuff that he had on a mm-hmm. rap sheet, and now right. he has this woman come into his life. and. Yeah. It, flips him into that obsession that becomes his obsession be. instead of his rap sheet yeah and then like it's just a downhill spiral and I'm, again not an excuse right. I'm just trying to I'm trying to put myself inside of his head and figure out why you felt like it was okay to do this to somebody right. and I also wonder too if they were like the first girls that really paid stood up to him to and didn't no like he was handsome he got attention mm-hmm. and he was I hate to admit it, but he was a good looking guy but it's, I think they were the first ones to, like, actually stand up to him. And I feel like he probably got bored with the other girls. But then he refused to let them leave. And that was the draw to them. But I don't know. I really do feel like killing Kristen was, he was getting back at both women when he did it. I and it's so sad because Kristen was, like, her roommate Lauren said that she was that kind of person that would, like, balk and be disgusted by the women that let their boyfriends hit them. 
and would be in that, and she found herself in that situation. You know, what? and that wasn't a nice way to word it, but you know, no, what I, I know mean. exactly. Like, she what was you're just saying. always like, "How do you say in that?" And like, yep. you know, it was just so disgusted by men that would do that. I actually have family members that have gone through this, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna throw it out there because I do have family that listen to this. Yeah, so I'm not gonna sure. throw my own family's dirt under there, but. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I've always heard from them, because I asked the same question, how mm-hmm. how could you let a man do this? Because I know right. myself, and like I've said many times in this episode, I will fucking throw hands. Like, mm-hmm. lay a hand on me, watch me lay one right back. Like, same watch way. out. Same. However, a lot of them kept saying, like, I'm the same way as you, but he was so good at manipulating me that he had groomed me to think that this was okay. Exactly. Exactly. And those type of narcissists are so skilled at finding your blind spots and Mm -hmm. your weak spots that they know exactly what to say to wiggle themselves in. Mm -hmm. And Michael had his perfect fucking rapport because he's like, oh, I'm so troubled. I have such a bad childhood. No one loved me. I need someone to love me. Don't leave me. And And that was his excuse for everything. And I bet you he found both of these women to me sound like women who were so loving and caring that they were fixers. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's what I fall Took into as well. Right in my mouth, girl. Yeah, they're fixers. And you and have that a is man... not a shame on no. them at all. No, I am they one. Have such big hearts. I get it. Same, girl. Yeah, you Same. are too. We love to fix people. <laughs> yeah. And and that's not slighting no. anyone. It's just like we just want to be there and yes. help them and help foster their you know, their personal and mental health. Yes, we do it with each other. <laughs> Very much so. Like to an unhealthy, unhealthy level. level. <laughs> um, but just like thinking about that, like hurts my heart even more knowing that these two women mm-hmm. were so loving and caring that they wanted yeah. to help this man become a better person. Right. And he picked on that and picked on it. And then they just kept making excuse after excuse. And yeah. I'm not dis- dissing on them. It, it just no, is what it is. And he they, just knew exactly yeah. what to say to make them feel better. Exactly. And they tried they to fix him. And exactly. he said, fuck you. I get to make the decision. Yeah. Exactly. A thousand percent. And he Disgusting. ran that. He narrated everything and ran that narrative until the very end. He kept control of the entire thing. The entire time. I really struggle with stories like this. I do too. It hurts my heart. Because I sit here and go, why not just take yourself out? Why not take someone's life? Truthfully. take yourself out. And that makes me a terrible person, but... I don't really I think so because think it. if it's going to save the life of someone who is a genuinely good person and going to make the world a better place. Right. Like if you're going to do it anyway, why are you taking someone's life in the process? Just go. Right. We don't need you here. Right. Because you're not doing good in this world. No. You're bringing people down. I just don't know how people function like that. And having mental, you know, mental disabilities. And again, I'm trying very hard not to be an ableist. I really am not because... I know, like, we are, we talk about mental health all the time and how important it is, but it is very clear that Michael had no desire to ever actually make himself better. Mm -mm. It is very clear. He just wanted to keep skidding underneath everything, just, like, you know, being pushed under the rug. he, like, rode on the state for a long time, too. He flat out said, like, the state's paid for my life. Like, he got in a really bad car accident at one point, and he got, like, a $17,000 settlement from the state, and, like, he just, Yeah. Like, I don't know how, but he just rode that shit and he would gloat about it all the time. That's the thing, though. I feel like states love to enable. He's a succubus. Well, that but that's the problem, right? Our systems Wait, are... Succubus can't be males. They're only females, I think. Sorry. Tangent. Anyway, what are you saying? Sirens are female. 
Succubuses. Incubus. Incubus. Is a male. Is a male. Succulus. Succubus. Succubus. Succubus is a woman. I was like, I know the word. Um, But what I was saying is like the fact that the states tend to always sit there and be like, oh, here's money, Mm -hmm. you know. And he was a ward of the state for all intents and purposes. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they do that. And then you've got the judicial system that's like, ooh, slap on the back of the hand, slap on the back of the hand, slap on the back of the hand. Mm -hmm. How many times are we going to continually see this? Literally. Until something is done. Right. And he had his larger charges dismissed while his lesser charges are the ones that he was actually penalized for. It makes no fucking sense. And he was clearly violent. What the fuck? It'd be one thing if he's just still doing burglaries. That's not right. But if that's all he was doing, what the fuck ever. But literally beating women, threatening to kill them, trying to kill them. Attempted murder. What are you fucking doing? Right. So I hope that the city of Boston felt so fucking terrible for how they let Kristen down. And Rose. They should. The, and Kristen the judicial system should as well. If they handled the shit how they were supposed to with Rose, Kristen would still be alive. Hands down. Oh, he absolutely. Been in but a, 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 a beautiful soul's life was lost right. because but like he even everyone told, let them down. I'm pretty sure it was Rose. But he had even said, like, if I go to prison, when I get out, you better watch yourself. Like, literally said, like, I'm going to come find you and fucking kill you when I get out. That's and literally where, told both of them that he was going to kill them that's on multiple occasions. I'm questioning, like, okay, why were these people, and by people I mean Kristen and Rose, why were these women not helped and put into, I don't know, protective custody or put into the Secret Service agent, whatever it is, what is it called? Um, Where you get, like, a new name and a new location. I uh, literally know exactly what it is because it's obituary. I was just listening. What is that called? Witness protection. My Thank gosh. you. Witness I, like, protection. I knew it, but then you were saying secret service and my brain was just like, vroom. I didn't connect Witness the two. protection program. But why, why were they not given those options? I think it's because this was Michael's whole persona. And they're like, oh, it's just Mike Cartier. It's just how he fucking is. And no one took it seriously. Why? Like, literally, this child has been fucked up since the time he came out the womb. Right. And these are young women. I mean, right? Because you said that Rose was 17. Yeah. And Kristen was 21. 21, I think, when she met him. Hold on. Right. Kristen was 21. Those are very, very young women to be coming into your courtroom Mm -hmm. saying, this man beat me. Exactly. This man tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. And yet you're not giving them an option of hiding themselves from him? Right. Because exactly. you're releasing him? Exactly. I know. I'll sit on box all day on this. Like, you're going to have to shut me off because I'll sit on a box all no, day. They were so... I'll sit on a box all day. Blocking failed. And... Well, Rose, I, I love you and I'm glad that you're, you know, still here and able mm-hmm. to tell your story and to support Kristen and her family. And yep. to Kristen, your beautiful soul. And you were taken far too early. Yep. Exactly. And, gosh, her dad, to be able to just, like, dive into that. Because he wrote this article that I found. He Mm -hmm. wrote it in 1992. Like, literally shortly after she died. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, incredible that he was able to do this. And that tells you that they have amazing families, too. Like, both their families Mm -hmm. were very amazing and supportive and kind. And not of him, but of the two girls who deserved it. Yeah. Well, and I'm not 100% sure with Rose's family. Because in the show... Her dad, like, he was portrayed as being, like, 
well, it serves you right for getting into the shit with this dude and, like, going off to Boston Tough and trying love. to, yeah. yeah, and trying to, like, be a party girl or something, but. She I'm didn't sound sure. like a party girl, though. She wasn't, but it's like the music, the punk music scene. It was a tough scene. Like, well, I know the drugs. There was a lot of stuff. She wasn't talking to two ex emos over here, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she wasn't a party girl, but she was in it. Like, she was in that crowd. But I don't know. Like, it's just I've never had a story just like split my heart (laughs) so like so evenly down the middle because Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that Rose survived, but shattered about Kristen and all from one fucking person like I've never like come across a story like this Mm-mm. that's just like one fucking person caused so much fucking destruction in two years that is a very short amount of time right right because this was not even two years because literally like About Rose met him half, late right? in summer of 1990 and then Kristen was deceased by May 30th of 1992. So yeah. not even two years. Mm-mm. Fucking insane. Oh, <sighs> well, I'm going to stop on that because Courtney will sit on a soapbox yeah. forever. You know, get off this train. This is a long one. But thank you all for listening. I hope, like I said, I really, really had a very specific way that I wanted to present this. And I hope I was at least able to do as much justice as I could. Like I said, literally. I think you did. I was literally just scraping the top. It was very hard to find what to parse without feeling guilty. Like, I wanted to talk about everything, but it was so much. So much. This could have been, like, a three or four-parter if I had gone through everything. (laughs) My heart hurts for you, too, though, because I know that I know you and I and our emotions and... Like I said, with my last episode with Amanda mm-hmm. Todd, I cried the entire time I did I my research. So I can I only imagine what you were going through with this. Yeah. But I'm shocked that I kept it together. You did really yeah. well. I think it's because this has been living, like, rent-free in my head for, like, two weeks now. And mm-hmm. I kind of took my time researching, so I didn't, like, I didn't cram it all into my brain at one point, And mm-hmm. I already, and I think the way that the show presented it, like, I already knew the worst of it when I really dived into it. It doesn't make it better, but it at least made it easier to, to digest. digest. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm literally so exhausted now, like... <laughs> I know. My emotions are just like... <laughs> oh, my heart hurts for you, though, too. It hurts mm. for both those yeah. women and you, and I just... Yep. I hope that someday we can get it together. We have it. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about like the people the that failed these that failed yeah. these two women. I get you, girl. It literally like it's disgusting. And it I know you can't like sick. put everybody away. And I know that there's rules and regulations and things that you but have how to many follow. But how many times does someone get right? How many times do you right. seriously let somebody get away with something like this? Right. I feel like him being a neo-Nazi alone should have been like. Mm. Maybe this guy shouldn't be out with people mm-hmm. in the world. And he's literally punching his girlfriends and kicking them in broad daylight. But And attempting to stab them with scissors. Right. But he doesn't need jail time. What? He just needs to go to once a week canceling. Yeah. Literally through all of this, through all of this, the longest time he served in prison was six months. Let that sink in, friends. Mm. It was in the 90s, so things have gotten better. Not all things, but some things have. I will say domestic violence against women is taken a little bit more seriously. 
True. Still not enough, but it definitely is taken more seriously. That's fair. Which I'm thankful for, but we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Kitties. Okay, so, so anyway, with that really hard episode, yeah, uh, you guys know exactly where to find us. Hopefully, hopefully at this point, it's this thing. It has a link, and then there's a tree behind it. Give you a hint. It's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's on our Instagram page. Just click it. It's easy. Okay? It's on our Patreon page. It's on everything. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, it's in our Instagrams, in our TikTok bio, it's in our Twitter bio, Patreon. I even Showed think it's on my personal Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't have an excuse. That's what we're trying to say. Go click so, it. It won't hurt you, I promise. It's easy, okay? Okay. <sighs> so yeah, if you want to send us any case suggestions, please give us lighter ones for a while. This was not a case suggestion, but I just felt very compelled to tell it. Um, But yeah, you can send them our way. If you have weird shit for spooks and lore, scoops and lore... Spooks and lores, as Courtney says. <laughs> <laughs> Scoops and lores that you want to see. Seriously, tell. go listen to Dickpectation episode. It's, worth it. <laughs> it's absolutely worth it. If you need something to pick you up after this episode, yeah. please go listen Seriously. to it. I feel like that one in Sleepy Slaughterhouse are my favorites so oh, far. Facts. Absolute yeah. facts. It's just fucking full send. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I've got to give to Me you. Me too. Friends. So uh, with that, keep it creepy and stay freaky. We'll, we'll try to see you guys next Tuesday. <laughs> no promises, but we'll try real hard because we miss you guys, but we're just doing our best right now. <laughs> Mental health, guys. We keep preaching it. It's, it's not very good right now. And we are not doing good. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.